through the morning. My dad stayed one phone call ahead of her as she went all over town. Vacuum complete. Let's be friends. Wow, that was fast. So, mother asked brother to help. We love stories! It's time for the apple seat, filled with stories for you and your family. All kinds of tales from all kinds of tellers. And when we say stories on the apple seat, we're not talking about news stories. We're talking about folk tales and fairy tales and tall tales and stories about personal experiences and family experiences and much more. And this is going to be a special hour today. We've got a surprise coming up for you in just a little bit. It's a radio drama that you're sure to enjoy. We cooked it up right here in the Appleseed studio. It's called Winning DD, and it's about a family that wins a robot maid. And, well, as you can imagine, mayhem ensues, and you're not going to want to miss a single moment of winning DD that we're going to bring to you a little later on in the show. But first, to introduce us to the first story that we're going to hear today, I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by one of our assistant producers, Lacey Ivey. Lacey, it's such a pleasure to have you with me. Good to be back. We're going to hear a Donald Davis story. Donald Davis, the great North Carolina storyteller. People call him the dean of storytelling. Uh, Tell us a little bit about this tale. This tale is just kind of a lot of fun. He just talks about his family, and he talks about his dad, and they're just good, fun stories. You can't really tell if they're all completely what really happened, (laughs) but I think those are the best kind of stories, where you sit down, you listen to them. I know I have plenty in my own family where I have no idea if this is something that really happened or not, but they make you laugh, and they make you (laughs) smile, and this is just a few of those stories that he has, and he just tells them. And you just you just enjoy them. One of the things I love about a Donald Davis story is, you know, we we have asked a lot of storytellers uh, the same question, and and the question we ask is, how do you know when a storytelling performance has gone well? And they all say the same thing, and and, and what they say is, we know a storytelling performance has gone well when we see the people leaving the theater or the classroom or the festival tent or wherever they're doing the performance, turned toward one another and sharing stories with one another that have been brought to mind by the stories that have been told on stage. And that's always what happens when you listen to a Donald Davis story. You start thinking about your people, your family and friends, and Mm -hmm. some of the antics that are in your own memory about some of those folks. And that will almost certainly happen (laughs) as you listen to this story. (laughs) (laughs) This story was recorded live at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, largest storytelling festival in the West, having brought great storytelling to the concert hall or the festival stage in the classroom for more than 30 years. Here's Donald Davis on the Apple Seed. My father loved more than anything else to play tricks on people. He just couldn't help it. It was the way he was made. And he could think up all kinds of things to do. And my brother and I grew up and my mother suffered under watching all of that. He used to tell us about when, when, when he was, before he married my mother, my, my grandmother lived alone on the farm for 23 years after my grandfather died in 1920. 
And every weekend, my dad would go out to take care of her, check on her, see how she was doing. Uh, she had a she had a a farm worker who kept the farm going and uh, milked the cows and did all this stuff. It was a man named Brackett, and Brackett, my dad said, was scared of everything, which made him the perfect victim for my dad's trickery. One day when my dad was talking to Brackett, Brackett started talking about how he was so scared of bears. He was scared of bears. He was so scared of bears. He just didn't know what he would do if he saw a bear. And of course, the mountains where I grew up were just absolutely full of bears. In town at Joe Scruggs' Texaco station, Joe Scruggs had a mounted black bear. And the bear was mounted, standing up, going like, And one Friday afternoon before my dad went out to take care of his mother, he went by the Texaco station and asked Joe if he could borrow that bear for the weekend. (laughs) And late that night, he and his sister Mary took the bear out to the barn and they put it in the feed room right inside the door where Brackett would come the next morning to feed the cows before he milked them. And then he and Aunt Mary climbed up in the barn loft so they could watch and see what happened. Well, here came Brackett. My dad said Brackett was about six feet, five inches tall, and he weighed about 85 pounds. (laughs) And he had a boy who was about 12 years old who was about seven feet tall and weighed about 70 pounds. (laughs) And they came around the corner of the barn, and all of a sudden Brackett opened the door in the dark. He had his lantern with him, and all of a sudden the door went slam. And Brackett said, there's a bear in there. And the boy started jumping up and down about three feet in the air, screaming his head off, screaming his head off, screaming his head off. And daddy thought, they're just going to stand there till they die. <laughs> so he came climbing down, came around, Brackett, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. Somebody put an old stuffed bear in the barn just to scare you. Somebody did it. And he opened the door and he showed him the bear and he got him all calmed down at last. Finally got all calmed down. Well, Aunt Mary was up in the barn loft and she was wearing an old full-length raccoon coat. (laughs) And about that time, she came just climbing down out of the barn loft and here came a moving bear. And Brackett hollered, there's another one. And he and the boy took off running. And my grandmother had to get a new hired man to run the bar, the farm, because he never came back after that. That was one of the tricks we heard about. But, but we also grew up watching him play tricks. We had a neighbor up the road, Mary Price, and uh, Mary had finished high school, and she got married right out of high school, had two kids, and by the time those kids were up and they were almost teenagers, she decided to go to college. She wanted to, 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 to get a college degree. And she drove back and forth about 25 miles each day over to Western Carolina University, and my dad would say, Mary, now, now when you graduate, don't even look for a job. I want you to come to work for me at the bank. Don't even talk to anybody else because I'll have a job waiting for you as soon as you get out of college. And Mary finished college and right off, my daddy hired her to work for him at the bank. Well, the very first day she showed up for work, she was all dressed up. She was there early and uh, way ready to go. And as soon as she got there, my dad said, oh, Mary, I'm glad you got here a little bit early. Because before we start training, there's something I I need to ask you to do for me if you don't mind. Well, of course she would do it. 
It was her first day at a new job. He said, I loaned the currency stretchers to Enos Boyd at the post office. And I need them back. Would you walk up there to the post office and ask Enos if he'll send the currency stretchers back? Well, she took off out of the bank. And as soon as she was out of sight, Daddy got on the phone and called Enos up at the post office. He said, Enos had just hired Mary Price, and she's coming up here to get the currency stretchers back from you. Ernest said, what are currency stretchers? My daddy said, I have no idea. I just made it up. <laughs> Send her down to Yule Taylor's at the Buick dealer. Tell, tell, tell her they're down there. <laughs> and then he got on the phone to call Yule Taylor. And, and all through the morning, my dad stayed one phone call ahead of her as she went all over town trying to locate the currency stretchers and bring them back to the bank. Finally, got, she got to Elian Davis Insurance Company, and he said, Oh, Mary, you got here just too late. I just took him back to Joe at the bank. <clears throat> and when she finally walked back into the door of the bank about two and a half hours later, everybody was waiting just to applaud for her when she got there. Said, Now you've survived Joe's initiation test. Now you're ready to come work at the bank. <laughs> My daddy's little sister, Mary, the one who had come down out of the barn loft with the raccoon coat. Uh, she finished school and, and, and she was teaching, teaching. And she moved in and lived with my grandmother out there on the farm and drove back and forth to town every day to teach school. One night she came to eat supper with us and, and was a huge rainstorm. It just poured rain and poured rain. And Daddy said, Mary, don't drive all the way back out there in this rainstorm. Just stay here and spend the night because after all, you teach right here. And, and so she did for the next two and a half years. <laughs> She'd just gotten married and her husband had gone overseas in the army right after they got married. Well, it was her first year teaching school, and she had no idea how hard teaching school was. And every afternoon she had come home from school, she was just worn out, totally worn out, complete. And every afternoon she would get home to our house, stretch out on the sofa, and take a little nap. One day we got home, everybody got home, Daddy got home from work, and Aunt Mary was still asleep on the sofa. My daddy gathered us together and he said, boys, go put your pajamas on. And he said to mama, Lucille, go put on your nightgown and your bathrobe and roll your hair up just a little bit and go in the kitchen and start cooking breakfast. And about the time she had the bacon sizzling away, he went in the living room and said, Mary, Mary, you have slept all night. It's time to get up and have breakfast to go to school. You, you don't even know you slept through the whole night. We tried to get, her, get up quick. She jumped up and looked. It was, oh my goodness, it was six o'clock. <laughs> she, she said, I don't even have time to get dressed. I'm going to have to wear the same thing I wore yesterday. He said, come on in the kitchen. We're just about to eat. Settle down in the kitchen. We had the nicest big breakfast you've ever seen. And we ran to get ready, and she got in her car and headed for her school. And when she got there at 7.30, she couldn't figure out why nobody else was there. And then she realized the sun was on the wrong side of the building. 
He just couldn't stop. You know, every time he saw an opportunity, he just couldn't stop. He just had to play a trick when he saw one coming. One day, my brother Joe and I went to a birthday party, and it was a wonderful party because all the kids who came to the party got presents too. Uh, I don't even remember whose party it was, but they had all these little wrap presents. They had numbers on them, and we all drew numbers, and then we got to open the presents that had our number on it, and, and so everybody got a present. But my little brother Joe won the grand prize. When he opened the box that had his number on it, it had in it a beautiful little life-size stuffed rat. Now, what could be better for about an eight-year-old boy? And we got home, and my daddy's found out about the rat before my mama did. And my dad said, Joe, can I borrow that rat for two or three days? I'll give it back to you. And Joe said, what are you going to do with it? He said, I don't know yet, but it's going to be good for something. Well, that night when he came back from milking the cow, he came in and he said to my mother, he said, oh, Lucille, you know, it's rained so much. It has just rained and rained and rained so much. It's brought the rats up out of the creek. I saw three rats at the barn just run, and, and they're, they're liable to be in the basement under our house. Just watch out wherever you go. Watch out because I know you don't want to run into a big old rat. Well, the next afternoon, my mother was getting ready to sort of start fixing supper. And we had a big garden and all the stuff we put up from the garden, you know, we canned it in quart jars. It all went down in what for some reason they called the basement. It was more like a hole under the house. You went out on the back porch and you went down these rough old wooden steps. Now, the floor of it was poured and it did have cement block walls, but the walls didn't come all the way up to the house. The, the, the floor joists were just over your head, and the walls came up as far as the dirt did, and then you could look all back under the house. There was a light down there, but it was one bulb on, on a wire just hanging in the middle of the room, and there wasn't a light switch as you started down the steps. You had to get down in the basement in the dark and then hunt for the string and hunt for the string, and you finally found the string, and then you turn the light on and then look back under there to be sure there wasn't anything that was going to get you. <laughs> so she headed down in the basement. I think she was going to get some green beans or something like that that we had put up, you know, to go with supper. My daddy said, come here, boys, come here. Let me show you what's going to happen. And as she headed down the basement steps, he eased up to the top of the steps and reached that stuffed rat down to about the third step and scooted it out till its little head was hanging over the edge, just ready to meet her at eye level as she came back up the steps. And he said, let's back up a little bit. Well, we could hear her moving things around and probably deciding what she was going to get. And, and I, she gathered up. We couldn't see what she gathered up, but we knew she was getting something. And then all of a sudden, we heard her start to come back up the steps. We heard absolutely the all over us scream you've ever heard in your life. It was a screeching squall. 
and at the same time crash, we heard glass break. And something went kablam in the floor. And then there was total dead silence. My daddy said, we might have overdone it. (laughs) And he and I and my brother, we headed down those steps. There were three potatoes just laying on the floor. There was a broken quart jar of beans with beans scattered all over everywhere. And our mama was flat on her back on the floor as a roadkill frog. And she was out cold. Now, we didn't have 911. You know what you did was you just called the doctor. And the doctor came. But my dad, since he, you know, worked at the bank in town and was sort of, you know, a leader at church and everything like that, he didn't want to call the doctor to come down in that basement. So he said, we got to get her up out of here before I can call the doctor. We got to get her upstairs. Boys, you're going to have, my little brother started saying, is she dead? Is mama dead? Is she dead? Well, my dad was, was five, six. And and he used to tell people his whole adult life, he weighed 143 pounds. My mother didn't tell people what she weighed. But I'd uh, uh, slipped around and read it on her driver's license. She weighed 140 pounds, so they were essentially the same size. But she had the dead weight advantage on him. And he couldn't get her up. He tried to get her under the shoulder. She's just flopping like that, just flopping. He said, boys, you got to help me. Get around, get her under the knees, get her under the knees. Come on, let's get her over to the stairs. And he was pulling and, and we were pushing and he had hunk her along and she had sort of, he had, he had pushed along and she had her is just flopping all over the place. Her limbs just flopping. She was just gone. And every once in a while, Joe would again say, is she dead yet? Is she dead <laughs> And we finally got over the stairs. The only way we could get her up was he sort of hunched her up and then he got up on the first step and then he said, push boys, push. And he went, whoa, like that. And then he went up one more step and we got her up again. And it took us about 20 minutes, one step at a time, pushing and pulling at the same time to get her up those steps. And then we got her in the kitchen and we got her up on the kitchen table. And that was safe to call the doctor. And as he turned around toward the telephone on the wall, all of a sudden, she sat up. And she said, that sure was a lot easier than having to walk back up the stairs. (laughs) You didn't think I was going to be scared by a birthday party stuffed rat. Now, every time my daddy had ever pulled a trick, when it was over, there was one thing my mama would always say to him. She would say, Joe, when you start something, you better be prepared to live with how it turns out. (laughs) But that day, she didn't say a thing. (laughs) And my daddy turned to me and my brother Joe, and he said, boys... When you start something, 
you better be prepared to live with how it turns out. <laughs> Donald Davis. And that's good life advice, isn't it, Lacey Ivy? Oh, it is. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to start something, you better be prepared to live with how it turns out. Did you have practical jokers in your family? Are you guys practical jokers? Oh, we are. We definitely are. <laughs> My grandma comes from a family of 13 children and – when we get together, it's it's fun. It's yeah. fun. <laughs> but her – one of her brothers, I remember growing up going to his house. He was the like our storyteller of yeah. the family. Yeah. I really don't know what stories he told that were true and were just made up. But <laughs> they grew up in this little town and <laughs> they just were known there. And they had – all sorts of fun times. The one that's coming to mind is the day they didn't want to go to school, so they pulled one of their wagons in front of the school doors, and when the faculty tried to push it down the stairs, it cracked all of the concrete, so they had to cancel school for everybody to oh, fix gosh. it. And oh, <laughs> everyone knew who they were, and you know, those kind of stories just make us laugh. We love being together and telling them. So you have those stories, but you have some questions as to which ones are true. Yes. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were never practical jokers in my family and my kids in particular were not prone to practical joking, which is why it was such a successful practical joke surprise when my son did the old – it's the old practical joke of taking a rubber band and putting it around the handle of the spray nozzle on the kitchen sink, you know. <laughs> so when you turn on the water, it automatically – you know, uh-huh. everybody knows that yeah, practical yeah. joke. But he got me so good. I can <laughs> hardly even believe it. And suddenly I'm thinking about that and, you know, after we're done here, I'm going to call my son and share that <laughs> memory with him. He's a grown-up man now. That was when he was 11 or 12 years old he did that. What a pleasure to hear Donald Davis talk about the jokes played by his dad. Pleasure to listen with you as well as with Lacey. Lacey, thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me, Sam. And there's a lot more coming up on The Appleseed. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you in this hour of the Appleseed. A moment ago, if you're just joining us, we heard a story from Donald Davis. It was a story recorded live at the Timpanogos Storytelling Festival, largest storytelling festival in the West for more than 30 years now, bringing great storytelling to the concert hall and the festival stage and the classroom. And uh, it's always a pleasure to hear something from Donald Davis, the great North Carolina storyteller that people call the Dean, the Dean of storytelling. And uh, there's a lot more coming up in just a little bit here. You're going to hear a special radio drama that we cooked up for you right here in the Appleseed studio. It's called Winning DD, and it's a story about a family that wins a robot maid, and of course, mayhem ensues. But first, because we know that the sharing of memories can sometimes be the spark that brings to mind a memory or story of yours that you can share with the people that you love. Here's an entry in the Radio Family Journal about a time I went fishing with my dad. Happy to bring it to you here on The Appleseed. The Radio Family Journal with Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it. On The Appleseed. My dad 
was an expert fisherman. That's what I thought anyway. Anyone would have thought so, looking at his tackle box. It was filled with beautiful lures and spinners and jigs made in bright colors, built to move in the water in ways that fish might think are attractive. Some of them had feathers on them. Some of them were shaped and painted like little fishes themselves. I looked at those lures for a long time, years, I guess, before my dad and I went fishing together. And then... There it was, that rite of passage, that bonding time when a father takes his son to the lake to catch fish for the first time. For us, it was a trip up and over the mountains that rimmed our little town, over the winding autumnal loop that led up into the ridges that held the little streams and ponds that we knew were there. Well, we got to the place we were going, a little mountain reservoir called Tibble Fork, surrounded by high mountain peaks, green trees, pines, and aspens reflected in the smooth surface of the water. We parked the car, and we began to unload stuff. The air was crisp and cool, and we unpacked our rods and reels, grabbed Dad's tackle box, whacked our way through some brush to a place my dad thought might be good, and then we got started. My dad showed me how to cock the bale arm back and then hold the monofilament line with my finger until I swung it forward in a cast. He picked a lure out of the box and invited me to pick one, too. I looked over all the lures in that box, colorful and sleek, some of them, looking up at me with their little painted eyes, others of them, made of metal and rubber, wiggling and jiggling and catching the light there in front of me in the trays of that tackle box. Well, when I chose a lure, it was because I thought I was unworthy of the others. I was new at this, and I thought I should have some experience before I allowed myself access to some of the more beautiful artifacts in my dad's tackle box. For now, my first cast, I thought I'd choose something more homely. The lure I chose was made of a piece of dully copper-colored metal, just a rectangle folded over with a fastener at the fold in the metal for a treble hook. There was a hole drilled in the rectangle of metal opposite the fold for tying it to your line. It was the homeliest thing in the box, and I figured I'd start there and work my way up. My dad was already fishing, and I carefully tied the lure to my line, stuck my tongue between my lips, and swung the tip of my rod back, and then flicked it forward. It was a beautiful cast, and I watched that dull-colored metal lure sail out over the still water farther than I could ever have thrown a baseball or football. Out it went, and then down, down, and down, right into a tangle of brush out in the middle of the reservoir. I yanked and yanked and fiddled with my fishing rod and tried one angle and another and Finally, I called to my dad. He came over, took a look, and took my rod from me and did pretty much what I had done. Yanked and yanked and tried one angle and another, fiddled with the fishing rod, and, well, finally we gave up. What lure did you use, he said. And I thought, well, at least it was just that homely old lure we lost and not any of his fancy good ones. I told him which lure it had been. And my dad laughed. He laughed and he laughed and laughed. And finally, he sat down on the ground. What's so funny, I asked. My dad looked at me. 
He said, that lure is the only lure I've actually ever caught a fish on. Oh, guilt. My dad saw it on my face. He pulled me close, and then he started laughing again, and soon we were both laughing there on the edge of the reservoir. Through the laughter, I asked my dad how many fish he'd caught on that lure, and he held up two fingers. We almost fell in the water. We laughed so hard. Well, ultimately, we packed it in. A couple of fishing rookies and stopped for hamburgers before we went home. That was the first fishing trip of many for a long time. It was just me and my dad on those trips. Then me and my dad and one or another of my brothers or my sister. And in time, it was me and my children out there. And all told, there aren't a lot of actual fish in our overall fishing story. But we've caught a lot more than fish. Those memories are filled with good, rich conversation or even sometimes better, the comfortable quiet of people who love each other but don't feel like they have to fill up every moment with talk. Those times, looking out over the water, delighted by the arc of a beautiful cast or the sight of a golden spinner flashing through the green water, all of those times sprung originally from that inauspicious beginning, the loss of that homely lure so long ago. Well, those are times I wouldn't trade for anything. In those times, we've caught a lot more than fish. The Radio Family Journal of Sam Payne. A tiny little story for you and your family. Right when you need it, on the Appleseed. Thanks for joining me for that entry in the Radio Family Journal. We always hope the stories we bring you on the show spark memories and thoughts for you that you can share with the people that you love. Share them with us at theappleseed at byu.edu. That's our email address, theappleseed at byu.edu. In just a few minutes, you're going to hear Winning DD, the radio drama we cooked up for you right here in the Appleseed studio. You won't want to miss it. And in the meantime, here's a conversation with a friend. Great stories come into our lives in so many ways, through the films that we see, through the books that we love, the songs that we remember, and of course, through the tales that get told from teller to listener, sometimes over generations and generations. And one of the ways that great memories and thoughts and stories get down inside us is through the meals that we share. We're thrilled to be joined by Reggie Carpenter, a longtime friend of the show. She's uh, joining us from her home. And Reggie, it's so great to talk with you. We're going to talk a little bit about food, aren't we? Cannot wait, Sam. You know, the the name of my book is Where There's Smoke, There's Dinner. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and we could, you know, we we talk with a lot of people who say, "Oh yeah, if only I could if only I could taste such and such a dish of my grandmother's or my mother's every every day of my life," you know. <laughs> your your uh, relationship with food when you were a kid was a little different, wasn't it? My mother was a horrible cook. I mean, the and in in her defense, she had five kids. She ran a grocery store. My dad was often in the hospital. And so the fact <laughs> that we ate it all was, was great. <laughs> but um, one of the things that I remember growing up was like, if, and I don't know if this was because I was the fifth child, but I distinctly remember that as soon as I could reach the countertop, 
no food was provided. It was like, okay, kid, here's the drawer, here's the fridge, go for it. <laughs> but we had, and I don't know if you grew up with this, Sam, but we had a certain litany of food that would happen. On Sundays, we had roast beef. Then we would have, uh, on Wednesdays, we always had liver and onions along with beets to make it even worse because it was good for the blood. And Fridays, of course, we had fish or yeah. scrambled eggs because we Catholic, we couldn't eat meat on Friday. Uh, in between there, we would have hamburgers, meatloaf, uh, goulash. So it was not great. A lot of things that I remember was... Um, my mom loved candy. She mm-hmm. loved candy. And she would have candy bowls and candy jars out. And we had this little dog named Cricket. And Cricket liked it was he, Cricket was a little chihuahua. And Cricket Cricket also liked candy. And he was just tall enough to put his feet against the coffee table and then lick each piece of candy <laughs> my mom liked those ribbon candies you know yeah, sure ones with the jellies inside yeah. and she loved those and she would often grab a handful of them between the kitchen and our grocery store when she heard the bell ring the bell meant that, that we had a customer so as she was going by the coffee table she would grab a handful of the candy and she would always say why is this candy so sticky? <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing that the dog had paid a visit yeah, to the table. I would never say a word. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but, um, oh, my mom, she she did have some specialties. Like uh, Thanksgiving dinner was always wonderful. She would make a like a 25-pound turkey. And she would get up early and uh, I would come down the beige vinyl carpet runner and, (laughs) and she would be chopping up the onions and the peppers really, really fine to go into the stuffing. And, oh, that meal was really fun. And what was really fun about it wasn't necessarily the food, although that was fun. We would have um, olives, black olives. And Sam, did you play with your black olives when you were little? And they were oh, like, good heavens! Yeah, sure. Put them on your fingers. You oh, bet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. they were puppets. And so we would, you know, be playing with those. And my mom would be saying, "Oh, leave the olives alone." <laughs> but what we would do is, we would. My sister Mary and I, we would hide underneath the table. And my father loved the skin, so my mother would always make sure that this turkey skin was really crispy. Yeah. And he had a long, 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 long carving knife. And we would reach our hands up. And (laughs) this sounds horrible. (laughs) My father would pretend to cut our fingers off. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) And he'd say, you better leave my turkey alone. And then, you know, of course, of course, he wouldn't, you know, we've all still got our digits. Yeah, right. um, but it was always so funny, so funny. And then the food dropping off the table and then Cricket would get it. And, uh, you know, my dad's my dad's palate dictated a lot of our food. Sure, and, I imagine. You know, my dad loved, uh, he loved macaroni and margarine. He loved um, white bread. And in the spring, of course, we would go um, bullhead fishing. But down south, they call them catfish. But we call them bullhead. And um, I remember one time, of course, we would have fish in, in you know, all summer. And yeah. 
But I remember one time I got a, a, a big bone caught in my throat and I was starting to choke and I, I jumped up out of, I, I was probably seven and I was pretty little. I, was, I jumped up out of my chair and I was running around the table and my dad grabbed me, balled up a, a piece of Wonder Bread, stuck it in my mouth, plugged my nose so that I had to swallow it. Huh caught the bone and I was okay. And then he said, finish your meal. Oh, good heavens. What, what a method uh, uh, and what presence of mind to kind of yeah. respond to an emergency yeah. in that way. Wow. First time. You know, it's, it's so interesting. We began this conversation with you talking about, you know, your mom being a bad cook and things like that. And yet all of these w wonderful food memories, the bad food is affecting you now in a kind of a positive way, right? I mean, there's yeah. a, your, your, your head and your heart are full of these memories that you now perceive as kind of wonderful memories, even though at the time you weren't enjoying eating the food, you know? What a pleasure it's been to be joined by Reggie Carpenter. Reggie, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Sam. Take care, you Great stories come into our lives in so many ways. A pleasure to chat with Reggie Carpenter. We'll be sure to have her back. Lots more coming up, including the story Winning Dee Dee, a radio drama that we cooked up for you right here in the Appleseed studio. You won't want to miss it. I'm Sam Payne. You're listening to The Appleseed. We'll be back in a moment. Welcome back to The Appleseed. Here's Sam Payne. It's such a pleasure for me to be with you on today's episode of The Appleseed. Up next, Winning Dee Dee, a radio drama about a family that wins a robot maid. What could go wrong? <laughs> Here it is, Winning Dee Dee on The Appleseed. Phone off, please. Thank you. What is tomorrow? Cul-de-sac cleaning day. Rain or shine? It's supposed to miss us. Aww. Will they deliver your prize tonight if it's stormy? I'm sure they will. Package tracking said at any time. 75% of the time, they are late. Okay, Brainiac. Dad, after dinner, can I take the wagon out by myself? I barely got that old thing running. Just one more night driving lesson. I thought you were taking cooking lessons. And that means what? That you are a good cook and will be a safe driver. Right, Devin? Uh, what are we eating anyway, Jersey? I think it's meat, Dev. How can you tell? Boys. Seriously, guys. Derek, your cat eats on the floor. Off the table, Snowball. Go. And Jersey, for the record, this tater tot casserole is awesome. It's lasagna. <laughs> I think it's here. Yes. Saved by the horn. Wow, it's huge. Dad, want a big box. That's one big Roomba. I'm glad it was free shipping. It's almost as tall as my mom. She even looks like her. Haha. <laughs> Not funny. She does look real. Chores will be a blast again. Were they ever a blast? It says on the box, Domestic Droid DD-2020. DD? Cool. Our own robot. It looks like Grandma. <laughs> Once she has charged up kids, you will love to clean house. Gerald, let's read the directions first. Whoa. Whoa. 
It's on already. Good evening, Mendez family. It talks. It knows us. It even sounds like your mom. I hope it can cook. When I'm driving, you will be riding your trike to school. Manners. We have company. <laughs> Dev, can you turn the TV down? The quick setup manual says to place an item in front of her for a super suction vacuum test. Hmm. Oh, <laughs> I'll try Cocoa Puffs. This is so cool. <laughs> vacuum complete. Let's be friends. Wow, that was fast. I think she likes us. What? No! She's a machine! She understands verbal commands? Ah, oh, the glory Derek, of winning! why are you putting my sweater on the floor? Excuse me! Trust me, sis. That is so... Ugh. Mom! Sweater cleansing complete. Big yes! Wow. Say you're welcome, Jerk. That is so snatched. Thanks, Derek, and robot lady. It was my pleasure. That is cool. It looks brand new. Ooh, I wonder if she does calculus. Did lightning hit us? I don't think so. I saw some blue sparks. Power is still on. The TV is not great. <sighs> Did Snowball hit a button on the droid? Hmm. Grandma was looking right at the TV. Okay, she needs another name. Here's my hoodie. Make it clean. Oh, my hoodie! It's a big ball. Fabric cleansed. My pleasure, Derek. <laughs> that is hilarious. Dev, I'm sorry, Derek. She turned his hoodie into a ball of fabric? Dad, your cleaning toy is cool, but Kath wanted me to come over tonight. Can I take the wagon? I've got the keys. Please? Uh, we'll see. Mom's right. I need to read the entire manual. Power washing and kitchen cleansing commencing. Wait, Carol. Look. <laughs> this is so cool. What just happened? Everything is cleaned, stacked, perfect? Wow, she generated hot water and hot air instantly. You didn't give her a command. Jersey, she's leading by example? Well, let's go, we all... <gasps> Whoa! Table cleansing complete. Good evening, Mendez family. Mom, after I dust, I don't have to throw the furniture, right? Funny, Jers. Where's the manual? It says a full charge is needed to safely operate. Let's see, super suction vacuuming, hot pressure washing, multi-level sentry, pet watch plus, fabric freeze finishing. Maybe it's not fully charged. Freeze finishing? What's that? I've read that super cooling of fabric followed by super suction is more eco-friendly. Thanks, Mr. Bookworm. You could pressure wash the driveway tomorrow, Gerald. <laughs> and freeze dry the couch the next day. Do we have to shut her down to charge her? Let's see. Charging procedures. Shutdown mode, CPH3. Uh, see if she cleans bedrooms. Dee Dee could watch Snowball when we're gone. Dee Dee. That is much better than Grandma. Snowball, off the droid lady. Pet freeze finishing complete. Snowball, that no! That was my pleasure. Snowball's frozen, Gerald. Everyone stay calm. But Dad, Snowball! Uh, where are the commands? Get down! Oh. 
Front door freeze finishing complete. Good evening, Mendez family. The doors and windows are covered in ice. Just like Snowball. What is she doing? Uh, Dee Dee, shut down. Ripple shutdown command incorrect. Stop, robot. Uh, sleep, robot. Dis- disconnect droid. Incorrect verbal command limit reached. What? Daddy? She's after Jersey. Downstairs, Jersey. Run. It's time to freeze finish the family unit. Electronic systems disabled. Good evening, Mendez family. No lights. Are you kidding me? Jers, call 911. My phone's dead. Grandma killed my phone. Her name is Dee Dee. Really? Like that matters. Uh, ooh, we need a diversion. A diversion? Uh, 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 run! <sighs> that was your diversion? Run upstairs? Dee Dee used some sort of electromagnetic pulse. That's possible. Dev, take this flashlight. Get your walkie-talkies from your room. Quietly. Please tell me you have the manual. It's downstairs. Sorry. That's okay. Maybe the lightning caused a temporary malfunction? Malfunction? But when the toaster stops working, it doesn't freeze the cat. Dad, I found three. Here's the flashlight. Oh, thanks, bud. Keep it. We have the lantern. Daryl, what about Jersey? Uh, she should be safe, right? Dee Dee's on wheels. Throw one down the laundry chute. Derek, you read my mind. Incoming. Dad, you there? Hey, girl. We are coming up with a plan. I'm scared, Mom. I know, sweetie. So am I. Jersey, crawl out through the daylight window in the laundry room and run for help. Okay. I'm at the window. Lower level window activity detected. What is that sound? Dad? Gerald, something's wrong. I see lights. Dee Dee's coming down the stairs. What? I thought she was on wheels. Multi-level sentry. She's gonna freeze Jersey. The laundry chute. Boys, do you have any rope in your room? No. What about Veggie? Perfect. Let's pull her up the chute. She's still coming. Jers, we're coming to get you. We are throwing a sheet rope down the laundry chute. Grab it. Someone comes down that thing. Would you rather do it up with Dee Hot pressure washing commencing. Ah! Oh, Dee Dee, right. Jersey. Oh, guys. Oh. I'm falling. Oh. Pull harder. We got you. Almost there. Climb, girl. Climb. Close the chute, now! That water was hot. She almost got you, sis. Not on my watch. Why is Dee, Dee power washing? Hot power washing, to be exact. Mom, my feet are getting warm. Honey, it'll it'll be okay. Mom, my feet are getting wet. Mine too. Do you feel that? Is that an earthquake? Wait a minute. Hold on to something. There's a hole in the floor! Dad, ah! Dee, Dee has my feet! Derek! Give me both hands! Ah! Ah! I got you, I got you! You did it, Dad! Are you hurt? Derek! My new shoes and socks are gone. And my hoodie. What was that? Could the whole floor collapse? Location verified. Good evening, Mendez family. Dee Dee is using the walkie-talkie? How is that possible? Oh, I dropped it! My bad. Dee Dee knows we're upstairs? She's boxing us in. Think, guys! Dad, I could use my drone and ram her. It's in our room! Drone, uh, it's not heavy enough. I'll weigh it down. If she comes up the stairs, I could tip her over. Yeah, you could hit her high and I could hit her low. Derek, you are not attacking Dee Dee. Mom, 
I could dump out my marble so she trips. She could freeze you, <sighs> Gerald. Boys, do it and get back here carefully. I owe her one. Let's go. Go to channel two. Dee Dee is on channel one. And Jersey's gone again. At least we are on the same floor. What's left of it? Dee Dee's moving. I'll hover and wait for her. What did you weigh it down with? A hamper of dirty laundry. You'll either knock her down or she'll pass out. Jers, where are you going? I have a plan, Derek. I need your walkie-talkie. You're you're going into the closet? I'll be back. Come on, guys. Dee's on the stairs. I'm going in. Flying objects, please cleanse. Good evening, boys. Run, Derek! Dad! She froze my drone. The marbles didn't work either. She tried to freeze us. Yeah, we heard. Wait, uh, where's your sister? I thought you were together. She said she had a plan. What plan? Daryl, she's pressure washing the door. Dad! Lock it with the bed! The door is breaking! Are you okay? She iced my hair. Vehicle exhaust detected. Must unite Mendez family. Didi's leaving. Is Jersey in the car by herself? She went into the closet. The attic. Clever girl. That clunker is so old, Didi probably can't shut it down. What is Jers doing? She must be going for help. Outside? Uh, let me see. Well, this brick ought to do it. Good evening, Dee Dee. I see you. There's a brick in the living room. Time to commence cleansing. Front window damaged. Come in from the rain, Jersey. There's Dee. What do we do? We wait for Jersey. Is that our wagon? Good night, Dee Dee. Everyone get back, I'll check. Watch out, guys. Pet warming complete. Goodbye, Mendez family. She's gone. You saved us, Wait, honey. It's Snowball! <laughs> Pet warming. Used up eight lives there, cat. Nice hair, Dev. Come here, kitty. Get in, guys. Honey, are you okay? Maybe Dad should drive? Tanya, she'll be fine. That was your plan? Cream Dee Dee and the house with the car? I wanted to go driving tonight. Cheers, <laughs> you are the goat. Look, the neighbors, the plylers, and the Shaws are outside wondering what happened. Just wave, everyone. Act like everything's normal. Where are we going, honey? Away from here. Hey, girl, don't worry about the house. We'll get it fixed. Yeah, what's tomorrow, anyway? It's cul-de-sac cleaning day.
<laughs> Winning Dee Dee here on the Appleseed. What a pleasure to bring that radio drama to you, featuring some of the voices that belong to members of our BYU radio family. You heard Samantha Danes, one of our assistant producers on the Appleseed. You heard Julie Rose, the host of Top of Mind. You heard Brian Tanner, marketing manager here at BYU Radio. And uh, we're going to wrap up with a folk tale told by the wonderful musical storyteller Heather Forrest. This is a story called The Turnip, and we're happy to bring it to you here on The Appleseed. There was once a grandpa who planted a turnip seed in the ground. It grew and grew until it was so big and so round he couldn't pull it up. So he asked Grandma to help. Grandma pulled on Grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, pulled, pulled. But they couldn't pull the turnip out. So Grandma asked Father to help. Father pulled on Grandma and Grandma pulled on Grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, pulled, pulled. They couldn't pull the turnip out. So father asked mother to help. Mother pulled on father, and father pulled on grandma, and grandma pulled on grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, pulled, pulled. But they couldn't pull the turnip out. So mother asked brother to help. Brother pulled on mother, and mother pulled on father, and father pulled on grandma, and grandma pulled on grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, 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 but they couldn't pull the turnip out. So brother asked sister to help. Sister pulled on brother, and brother pulled on mother, and mother pulled on father, and father pulled on grandma, and grandma pulled on grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, 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 but they couldn't pull the turnip out. So, sister asked the dog to help. Dog pulled on the sister, and sister pulled on brother, and brother pulled on mother, and mother pulled on father, and father pulled on grandma, and grandma pulled on grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, 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 but they couldn't pull the turnip out. So the dog asked the cat to help. The cat pulled on the dog, and the dog pulled on the sister, and sister pulled on brother, and brother pulled on mother, and mother pulled on father, and father pulled on grandma, and grandma pulled on grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, 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 but they couldn't pull the turnip out. So the cat asked. The mouse to help. The 
mouse pulled on the cat, and the cat pulled on the dog, and the dog pulled on the sister, and sister pulled on brother, and brother pulled on mother, and mother pulled on father, and father pulled on grandma, and grandma pulled on grandpa. They pulled and they pulled and they pulled, 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 and they finally pulled the turnip. Out, but when it popped out of the ground, it was so big and so round that Grandpa fell on Grandma, and Grandma fell on Father, and Father fell on Mother, and Mother fell on Brother, and Brother. Fell on sister, and sister fell on the dog, and the dog fell on the cat, and the cat fell on the mouse. Not one of them could pull the turnip out all alone, but they all worked together, and they all had turnip for dinner. Heather Forrest. That about does it for us this hour. But before we go, we want to remind you that until October fifteenth, we're doing a big push around here in completing ten thousand service projects. You can find out more about this initiative at byuradio.org/service. And in fact, that's where you can tell us about some of the things you're doing to serve your neighbors, make your community a better place. I'm Sam Payne. Our producer is Jeff Simpson, and can't wait to be with you again on the apple seed. Thanks for joining us for an hour of stories, music, and conversation made for you and your family and brought to you by The Appleseed. The show is a production of BYU Radio. We'll see you next time.